Game Boys. Hey there, Internet. Welcome to another episode of the Game Boys. Harmonize because we're in the same room. Podcast. My name is Lex. With me as always, my co-host, the man who knows only one eye in Christmas, and it's him. It's Griffin Davis. Yes, I'm the only Christmas. Hey, man. It's good to be here. It's good to be in the the second. We've opened up a second a second Game Boys Lounge in Austin, Texas. We're expanding. Yeah, Game Boys Lounge franchise. Uh, Austin edition. Um, yeah, Griffin's here for the holidays. I'm here for the holidays, and it's a pretty magical time. Uh, Griff, even though we're in the same place, let's start the same way we always do. What have you been playing recently? <laughs> well, Lux, I just spent $65 on Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Oh, no. I do not like the tone of your voice right now. <laughs> just to prove that I was right. And you weren't going to like it? Yeah, and I was right. I played like 10 hours, and I just don't like it. I you should, what you should have done is this. Hmm. Let, me t- let me give you a quick a quick note. Okay. Um, is you should have waited until you came here, then played it with me, and then bought it. We're going to play a little bit after this. No, I instantly regretted it when I bought it. It was like a sick, <laughs> depraved nature walking into that GameStop. <laughs> I could have bought the Keyblade. I see if you guys have seen the Game Boys pod, they were selling uh, $40, $40 Keyblades, which I feel like is a good price for a Keyblade. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if it works the same as the one in the game, it's a pretty fucking <laughs> solid bargain. Yeah, I mean, it's going to seal the hole of the darkness. Where where do you think the keyhole is right now in in, uh, in Earth? Uh, I mean, uh, 1600 Pennsylvania <laughs> Avenue. Whoa. Oh, Sorry, hey, guys. The Oval Office. Hey. <laughs> Look out. We're getting political. Let's turn it down a little bit because yeah, these politics fire me up. Other than that, um, uh, I've just been it's been nice uh to uh be in town with the with the parents um because you get to get to go see movies a lot i just saw spider verse in spider-man into the spider verse and it was incredible lux yeah you you seem all fucked up about how much you liked it which is good um i saw movies uh, none of them were as good apparently as spider verse <laughs> i saw mortal engines and aquaman um aquaman was fun mortal engines was a uh, a movie about how big things can be. And in that <laughs> sense, it was a total success. And in every other sense, a total failure. That is, uh, like, my question is, uh, I see the trailers more on, it's about, it's about cities that crawl around, right? Yep. Um, now, uh, I feel like they were holding off a lot of the money shots of these cities fighting. Do we get lots of little, like, cities fighting all the time? No, 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 no. Okay. There's just big cities that eat smaller cities. There's very uh, little city-on-city violence. Okay. Really, the thing about the movie, the, the one thing, the movie wants you to leave the theater knowing one thing and one thing only. Mm-hmm. And that's that some things are bigger than other things, even if both things are very big. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the lesson the movie wants you to internalize. And it gets that idea across very clearly throughout the whole the runtime. I think that idea is worth $200 million, which is what I'm assuming the budget was for this movie. No, I don't think so, man. It did not look that good. Uh, Lux, I want uh, to, I want to ask you what you're playing, but we'll, we'll ask that in just a second. Cause it's, it's, it's a family episode. It's Christmas time. And what better way than to, to introduce, uh, uh, what are the family members of the game boys podcast? Haley, Welcome to the podcast. I'm excited to be in the same room at the same time. Oh my god, this is insane. This is incredible. Um, for oh. those of you that don't know, like Haley does all the work for this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> Haley's the reason there's a podcast. Haley does the editing, um, puts in the music under stuff, adds the sound effects, cuts out all the weird shit that Griffin and I say, um, really, and like mixes the audio and just makes the whole machine run. 
And so we're super happy to have her on the podcast. Ooh, yeah. I'm excited to be here because I, I actually like do this thing all the time where when I'm editing, I'll think of a response to something that y'all are saying. <laughs> so it's really weird having that temporal shift, but like being in the same time as you is pretty cool. Yeah. There's also like, um, there's plenty of times where I'm like, God, Haley must think I'm an idiot. Like times where I can't remember something that was just said that she's like probably listening to or like something I can't answer. I'm like, God, Haley's. To be just- fair, Griffin, Haley knew you before the podcast. It's not like she's learning anything. <laughs> Brand new <laughs> um, about this, but yeah, no, we're super excited to have have you on the show. Um, I guess, uh, well, let's just ask right away. Are you playing any video games right now in your life? Who? Um, I haven't played a whole lot. I've been watching video games a lot. Like one of my roommates is playing Near Automata. Ooh, oh, hell yeah! Yeah, so that's been pretty cool. This the video game for smart people. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, I love that game. Yeah, it's been neat. And of course, Red Dead Redemption and like Red Dead Online has been pretty fun to look at. Okay, yeah. Um, how, how is Red Dead Online from just like a watching, a watcher, a watchman's perspective? Oh, God, yeah. everyone is so weird. Oh, really? Like, so Jacob was playing, there was a mini game, like a King of the Hill game within it at one point, And there was one character whose only weapon was like a rope. And he was wearing overalls and not a shirt. And all he would do is sneak up behind people and hogtie them. Like he wouldn't even kill them. He wasn't even trying to win the mini game oh my god sounds like me <laughs> Redemption yeah, looks, i told you to wait for me yeah. no, no, no. i just can't i can't keep it contained my lust for hog tying yeah yeah and i think that guy's name was like big daddy 420 or like greasy hog man or something something <laughs> that, like that, that. that just like uh how like finstas or fake instagrams lux has a has a fake psn what's that a Fipson. Yeah, a Fipson. He's got a Fipson. Yeah, uh, which Big is Daddy a, 420 Greasy Hog. <laughs> which is a secret account of his. Good to know. Uh, um, I'll have to add him, and uh, hopefully he adds me. Uh, but Lux, have you been playing anything recently? Anything new? Yeah, I've still been playing Basketball GM. My <laughs> simulation has now reached the year 630. <laughs> um, so, uh, and the league is... So wait, the team has been around for 630 years? Yeah. <laughs> I've simulated 630 years of basketball. Oh my god. Um, we've won a 113 championships. And so basketball doesn't change. Like, doesn't get more futuristic. Like, this sport will always be the same. Everything about the game is the same. <laughs> it's just different player names and uh, stuff. You haven't brought any, like, basketball-themed improvements to world technology? <laughs> Not as far as I know. Or I politics. mean, I really only deal with uh, signing and trading guys and clicking <laughs> simulate except, until date. Except they're all just robots now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're all just robots named, like, Chase McGowan. <laughs> well, I hope you're dealing with the ramifications of AI life. We're doing our best uh, <laughs> as far as that goes, which is to say winning fucking titles. <laughs> so I'm playing that. Uh, I've been trying to wrap up Dragon Quest uh, 11, and I've taken one more stab at that boss battle we talked about in the last show, the boss battle from Shell's Cold Steel Volume 2. Didn't beat it, but I'm going to get back in there. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping to beat it before um, 2019, although I'm starting to run out of time. Well, please, please do it before uh, someone, you know, finds out. That I haven't done it. Yeah, they haven't done it. <laughs> yeah, before someone... I need to beat it because the Trails guys, the people who make the game, are listening to the show, mm-hmm. and they're just holding off till I beat the game mm-hmm. to so, put out the English edition of the third one. Anyways, guys, it's Christmas time, and Haley, you celebrate Christmas, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. You're, yeah. you're a Christmas person. I'm not trying to not trying to uh, label you or identify you. I'm a Christmas oh, yeah. person. I know Lux not a Christmas person. My but family has two Christmases. You have two Christmases. Yeah. Interesting. Very nice. Um, we kind of had like a part one, like part two. We go to our grandma's house like like after. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, you have Hanukkah. You've received video game presents then. Yes. Uh, and I want to ask everyone in the room, what was like the most meaningful like video game present that you have received? So so for me, it would probably be, and this is maybe not meaningful is the best word, but it definitely the most eventful and a good story. So there was one year we came back to California after we were done with Christmas in Louisiana, which isn't my two Christmases. That was just a different thing. But so dad, like, that was that was third Christmas. Yeah, that was third the, Christmas the one you that don't year. talk about. <laughs> <laughs> but so we get back and we're so. I don't know, bummed to be back in California because that means school's about to start again. And dad surprises us, which like most years he wouldn't even necessarily have a gift because we were broke a lot growing up. But then he busts out a PS2 and Kingdom Hearts and Grand Theft Auto. Oh my God. Yeah, Yeah, it was so good. But he's like, okay, kids, like you can play for a little while. Uh, So me and Megan have to fight for like 30 minutes playing Kingdom Hearts each because we had to like split everything. So you got to see the first cinematic yeah yeah basically <laughs> and then he's like all right you got school tomorrow like go to bed and then he stayed up all night playing grand theft auto <laughs> the hanukkah problem yeah, about this. yeah yeah you yeah. got actually i have a very similar story from a hanukkah where um my brother and i were looking around the house or mostly me because i was like 13 at the time because about ps2 era maybe PS, uh, yeah big ps2 xbox era and I was looking around the house, and I was like, I'm going to fucking find these presents, and I'm going to know what my Hanukkah present is, and it's going to be so good. I was sneaking around the house trying to find these presents, and I found this, like, Xbox with these games, and I was like, yes. Like, oh, oh, you found them pre-Santa? I mean, well, pre, pre, Han- pre-Hanukkah ghost? Pre-Hanukkah ghost? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Hanukkah so, ghost! I sneaks into the house and is like, ooh, here's your present. Make sure to put tinfoil under the menorah, or it's a fire hazard. Oh. Um, that happened once too, but we'll talk about it a different time. But um, yeah, so I found this Xbox and I was like, yes, okay. I'm just not going to let my parents know I know about it, but I'm just going to be so hyped for like two days and it's going to come. Sure. And then first day of Hanukkah comes and my mom is like, I got you this. And it's like, a, I forget, some book. Mm-hmm. And like, something my brother and it's like a different oh, book. Oh, and you're like, give me this good shit. I know. Don't make me wait. And then it was, and I was like, and... And then for your dad, we got this. And then it was the Xbox and the games. And it was for my father, not for me and my brother. Oh, no. Disaster. <laughs> a total, an uncomfortable, like, Hanukkah ghost. It was no. a total, it was like a total and like complete own. <laughs> oh, my God. It was like, that oh. is brutal. Like, oh, my God. Like, if it had like, I forget what it was, but like Baldur's Gate or Baldur's Gate 2 or one of those had been like adapted for the mm-hmm. Xbox. And so it was like an Xbox like that, and then like Cell Damage was like a title release. And then they were like, and I was like, oh my God, you fucking yes. What if what if it was for you, but then the Hanukkah ghost caught you sneaking around, and then he changed it and gave it to your dad it's and said. your fault. Oh my God, you needed real, to learn a lesson. A Greek mythology, like a real Greek mythology twist yeah. on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then you stabbed your eyes out, so that checks out. Yeah, <laughs> that's why I don't have eyes, just these uh, weird antennas. It's amazing that uh, your dad bought, Haley, you Kingdom Hearts. Was that something that you asked for, or something that he was like, looks cool? Kind of looks cool, like 
like yeah. I'd seen commercials for it and mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of cool. I was a little like, I'm a teenager. I don't know of Disney, mm-hmm. but I was secretly intrigued, but he didn't really know that. Mm-hmm. And so he mostly just got it because he was like, oh, kids He just like felt, it. he knew, he saw, he knew quality when he saw it. And I like your dad. Uh, I actually also uh, came upon... <laughs> Uh, what was going to be a birthday present of Kingdom Hearts like, in my grandma's house. Like, I came upon the copy uh, and had to, like, pretend that, you know, I didn't know I was getting Kingdom Hearts, but I wanted Kingdom Hearts so bad, and I knew it was, like, right upstairs in my grandma's house. And I was like, if I, should I I'd be, like, so messed up to, like, to just start playing it <laughs> before she gave it to me? But I was just like, oh, my God, it's, like, oh, 100 feet away from me right now. Um, and I don't think any kid should ever have to go through that again. <laughs> Yeah, Griffin's dedicated his life to making sure no one ever has to relive that experience. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, Haley, what are some... So let's talk about you, about you for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. you edit a video game podcast, but... Why? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we can ask that question, but or we can also ask this other question. Please ask your question. About... Um, what's your, so like, what's your background with video games? Like how much have you played? Like how do you get into video games? How many video games do you say that you are, etc.? Yeah. So it started pretty early. Like I had an SNES growing up and then like one of my neighbors had Duck Hunt. So then we would either be at my house playing Mario or like at his house playing Duck Hunt. And that was really cool. And then after that, I got really into computer games. Like I was a super violent little kid. I loved like Duke Nukem and Quake and Doom. And just yeah. like sitting and cursing at the computer and killing things and making <laughs> my mom uncomfortable. <laughs> and then after that, like it kind of kept going, especially once we got the PlayStation. That like opened a whole new door and kept doing that. Before that, I would play things at like friends' houses and like covet them. Like I really wanted to have my own copy of Spyro and Twisted Metal, but like didn't. So we tried to go to Elliot's house all the time. And then after that, like college, I lived with nerdy people and played video games. Like if I wasn't at work or school, it would be video games. Like Okami was so good. Mm. Yeah. It totally makes sense to me having played video games with you and seen you play video games before that you would grow up on Quake and like Doom because those are the games that like I feel like breed people into being getting frustrated at the TV <laughs> um, which I don't know Haley is the nicest person in the world and you probably tell us from listening but also maybe the most unlikely but definitely a true candidate for a person who gets mad at the TV while playing video games oh yeah definitely I've had people like I have never beat Zelda and I've never owned my own copy so I'd always have to be playing like with the permission of other people in their house around them and then when I play Zelda they they don't allow it anymore <laughs> like I don't want to see you like this. Uh, you, I I kind of want to see this now. This is like this is like your uh, Doctor Jekyll and Hyde situation. Yeah. Those are the yeah. guys, right? Yeah, Jekyll. Yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I always forget which one's the doctor, and I'm like, I think they're both doctors in their own way. Well, no, Doctor. Je- okay, no, let's be real. Doctor Jekyll spent five years at a high end academic institute. <laughs> To earn that moniker. Mr. Hyde was born smart. Yeah, Mr. Hyde was born smart and apparently (laughs) huge and green. (laughs) Talent versus hard work, you know? Nature versus nurture. Nature versus chemical uh, (laughs) that a doctor made. Because I think he was in love. I don't remember the story. Um, But so uh, once you once you like got a console, like it was the PlayStation was kind of the first one then. Yeah. 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 Xboxes are weird. Mm -hmm. Xboxes are weird. And and like I didn't I didn't really start getting Xbox to like 360 because I felt like it was like a weird like mature console that had like weird games that like weren't my my vibe for a little bit oh i always associated them with dorks oh the opposite (laughs) no they're it was 
I I like the Xbox. <laughs> what, but like, wasn't the Xbox for like cool kids and like the GameCube I was, was for like Nintendo dorks? I was thought it was like more of like it was like for weirdos. Like all the game, like all like the Xbox original release games are all like a bunch of weird Odd World stuff yeah. and like. I mostly Zelda. think about Halo with mm-hmm. Xbox, and that's why I think dorks. <laughs> that's fair. I didn't really play a lot of Halo, but like Cell Damage and uh, Psychonauts and. All mm-hmm. of the like, just like weird titles, Kung Fury, and all those weird, mm-hmm. all those weird games. Like the Xbox, yeah. Like the, the Xbox's like release titles were all like super weird. Like the PlayStation was like, we got a Spyro, and the Xbox was like, what if there's a movie that's like a four player smash 'em up, but also every game you play is filming a Kung Fu movie, and that's how the <laughs> game works, and it's called Kung Fu Fury, and now we're playing it, and that's the release title. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Um, but that's why I liked it. But it also was kind of for dorks and weirdos because all the releases were like weird, goof, goof shit. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember uh, the, like the first time I saw an Xbox was in like my bully's house. But it, we were like he'd like bullied me for so long that it just like become like like a normal thing. And then like I think he like weirdly asked me to hang out once. Yeah, and then I came over to his house and I saw an Xbox and I was like, okay, like bully was weird bullies have xboxes was he like just trying to show you that he had an xbox and he was just being a bully in a different way i'm not sure like i feel like bullies are so complicated just like the original xbox and (laughs) the original xbox release bully (laughs) yes exactly (laughs) full circle on that one uh but guys uh Haley has brought on a a very interesting game and before we get into the history about it christmas game it's a yeah because she has brought in an interesting it's a spooky christmas here on game boys and she brought in a horror game and just I want to talk about horror games in general for a second like what are y'all some what are some of y'all's like well obviously we kind of know yeah one of what your favorites might be when we talk about it but like uh, horror games like are we like are, are we generally fans um I don't love most horror games because I really like games for the mechanics um and I like the way that games are organized and the way that they like make you think through stuff and horror games are all a lot of times like very reactive and very about the moment and much sure. less about like how the game functions. Mm-hmm. There are a few I really like, like Amnesia is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, all those sort of games that like play with what the save function does and like play with what you get to see and mm-hmm. stuff that like messes with like that really takes like next next level can be really fun and cool. But like a Resident Evil or something, I'm ne- I like they're good. They're obviously good games, but I just never get that into them because, like, a lot of the mechanical stuff is hidden behind, like, uh, ghoul! Yeah, and and I think, like, The Night's Balance is, like, a game like Bioshock that has, like, weird mm-hmm. surreal frights, but, like, also has, like, an intense RPG system and, like, stuff you can do and feels just more like a dense experience than just, like, walking around and having, like, gun gameplay that kind of sucks and just kind of, like, awkwardly moving around. Yeah, or, like, be reliant on shitty jump scares. Mm-hmm. Like, Bioshock's a great example, of The think. new one? Have you guys played the new Bio, uh, no, sorry, it's not Bioshock. Uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, sorry, no. that's Biohazard. Yeah, that's uh, why you're that. Anyway, sorry, what were you saying about Bioshock? Oh no, I made my point. Just that it was, it was a light. It was very like spooky atmosphere. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so reliant on like here's a spooky moment. It's more like even just walking around feels weird because like I'm curious about everything, but also I don't want to dig too deep. Yeah, no, that that's definitely. I, and I, I appreciate those a lot more. Like the straight up survival horror games, I enjoy sometimes but tend to sort of like just be taken out of because it's just sort of like things are just sort of happening to you like the thing your actions don't change the game much it's more like 
Uh-oh, what spooky ghosty? Are you going to make it? Oh, you made it. Here, now you're going to walk around for a little bit and, oh, spooky ghosty. Yeah. And it's like, it's a, it can be effectively scary and stuff. It's just never that much fun to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so I always tend to appreciate, like, scares that are within a genre that isn't, like, classically considered a horror genre. Yeah. Like, and even stuff in, like, The Last of Us, which is, like, kind of has horror elements, but I don't know. There's, like, parts. Zimbos. Yeah. And, yeah, the, the giraffes. I meant the, I just meant zombies. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was like, is, is like that slang for giraffe that I didn't know? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I do have a made up word for every situation, but that's not my made up word yeah. for giraffe. And I was, I was like, nice confidence with that fake word. I should start doing that. Um, but guys, uh, we've talked about atmosphere and there's nothing more atmospheric than the game that Haley's brought on today. But I think before we get into it, we should hear a little bit of spooky tales about this game. Ooh. The Konami Computer Entertainment Tokyo Studio began developing Silent Hill in September 1996. Inspired by Western horror films, Konami was interested in creating a game for America that felt more like a Hollywood movie than a game. But due to its unusual nature, they didn't want to invest too much time or money into the project, so they threw together a ragtag team of employees that didn't work well with other members of Konami. These infamous employees were known as assholes that were, quote, (laughs) difficult to work with and refused to fall in line with Konami culture. This group of outcasts were known as Team Silent. They immediately began bucking Konami's ideas and set out to make their own kind of survival horror game. But no one would have more impact on the game than the artist Takayoshi Sato, who was known as a particularly hard-to-work-with employee. Knowing the company hated him, he created a short demo cinematic in secret and presented it to Konami higher-ups. They were blown away by the cinematic mastery, yet Sato refused to show anyone how he did it, demanding to be promoted or he would destroy the work. Konami reluctantly agreed to let him become the main 3D character designer, and over the course of two years, he single-handedly created every cinematic for the game. And it paid off. Silent Hill was released in 1999 and received generally positive reviews, selling over 2 million copies and gaining it a place in the American PlayStation's greatest hits. This week, Haley brings the Game Boys a very spooky Christmas with Silent Hill. Um, so yeah, so why? So why? <laughs> so the first question we like to ask every guest, as you know, is so why? Yeah, so why? So why? So why? Because there was a summer that we were living in a hotel, and we spent when I was staying at the hotel. Most of the time, I played Sims, but whenever I was out of the house, and that was very nice. We were at um, my me and my sister's friend's house, and we were playing pretty much like any video game we could get our hands on, sometimes wandering around town. But we, once we got into Silent Hill 3, we got like really obsessed with it. Like we bought the game guides to go with it. We tried like playing it along. We played two. We tried to figure out how they were connected because. Oh, so you played, you played three first. Yeah. Okay. Three first, and two. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. eventually we found one and I like the way that they used the limitations of the technology at the time to sort of make that game. But like, obviously that's not what I was thinking of at the time. I just really liked being afraid and I really liked finding the adventure and we would do shit like we would play and then it would be dark outside. Then we would go exploring. Like, so you know how in Southern California they have those drainage things where like, if it ever rains, that's where all the water goes. But most of the time it's dry. It's where you go to shred or escape a Terminator. Yeah. Or just go wander around. 
uh, in the middle of the night carrying kitchen knives. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember that as a kid, like wanting to wanting to see watch something scary and then like put yourself in a scary situation. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. Like, that's great. And like, but I never got to do that with like a, a video game property. I'm kind of jealous. So that's cool. Yeah, it was really neat. Oh, God. And I, I mean, even oh like God, I saw I saw something out there like from the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they had so many of these weird tunnels that would like lead to other drainage parts. Like, oh, and those pipes that you can yeah. crawl in and just like, ugh. yeah. And I remember one time we were doing that and like we got to the end and then suddenly it went straight up and we couldn't go. And so we just had to like back out. We killed like 900 spiders in that tunnel. <laughs> and, 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 and a clown from another dimension. Uh, now, so yeah, when you were in the bo- novel It, how was that? <laughs> um, uh, well, that's that's great. So you had like a, you had like a cool like this was like where was this in your like gaming history? Like when did you encounter this game? Like would you say high um, school or was this middle school? It was just before I started high school. Okay, so like that's still like a prime time to like really get spooked. I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah, definitely. Like to, to like to be like, oh, is there something in my closet? No, I'm I'm an adult now. I'm cool. I'm cool. <laughs> you know, like you can still kind of get those like those wi- those woogies. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. That's, you know, still do to this day. <laughs> but we should uh, talk about uh, the story of this game first. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you want to kind of break down like? kind of a little log line for this for the sucker <laughs> okay yeah so it is a pretty complicated story the mm-hmm. first game and the third game are more tied together than the second game the second game just kind of takes place in the same place and like uses all the weird psychological elements that the town like explains in the other games but it's kind of super fucking convoluted like with the way it's got like cult members and black magic and So basically in the first game, this dude, Harry, is attracted to go to this town and his daughter disappears after a car wreck. Yeah, it's always funny to me. They're like, we're going to take a vacation and they go to Silent Hill for some reason. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's like him and his daughter are like, we're going to go on vacation. And then they like they drive off the road because they see like a girl on the road. Yeah, they see a girl in the world and they avoid hitting her. What's up? I mean, it just plays it plays on this thing that's like very real in the Northeast. And like, you know, uh. The movie Silent Hill is based on Centralia, Pennsylvania, but they're Centralia, West Virginia. But the show, or the game rather, is like in Maine or something. And people on the East Coast go to these like small towns in like Maine and New Hampshire all the time as like vacations. And they're all fucking terrible, haunted nightmare towns. <laughs> like, that's why like all of like H.P. Lovecraft like stories take place in like weird towns in Massachusetts and like Maine. Because they're just like empty little wilderness towns in the woods where like hundreds of people have died. Um, and so, like, it makes, you know, you're like, they, they go on vacation there. Like, people do that all the time in real life. And it's like this bizarre choice people make. They do it. They're like, oh, let's just go to New Bunkport, Maine, where there's 43 people and 100 ghosts. Uh, and people are like, sounds great. I love it. Uh, and people just do that. And so it's like, it. on one hand, it's like, yeah, they're going to this, like, spooky town. Mm-hmm. But it's not like a totally crazy behavior. Okay. So then, yeah. So then what happens next? So Harry ends up trying to, like, go find his daughter. He meets up with, like, a random cop. And he keeps finding all these people who are in the town like for random reasons like one lady maybe killed her dad and she feels guilty and she's like trying to deal with those feelings another guy he finds was like a bully and like I don't know fucked his dog something weird and so it was just a bunch of people who have done weird questionable things end up in this town and you like maybe have to kill them maybe have to partner with them like meanwhile you're starting to discover all these creepy monsters that are emerging out of the mist and you're just trying to like find your kid right right yeah, yeah. and eventually like you through the weirdos you find there there are some weirdos who live there and then through that and like random artifacts you find you get a story of the town and start building the the religion behind the cult yeah what I like about this 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 like how they kind of slowly dull 
about the story is that it's like it is mysterious. There are some things that are like never explained, um, but it has just this like this like slow atmosphere and piecemeal inter- information that's that's like fun. Um, and then there are it does present you with like a choice or two that like affect which ending you get. Oh, yeah, definitely. Couple, the first one has like what like three or four endings, and the maybe five. So there's five endings in the first one, and I think you have to get, there's a good and bad ending, and you have to replay the game a second time to get, like, good plus ending or, like, bad plus ending. And then there is, which, and they all are variations of tragedies, basically. Yeah. And there's the fifth ending where, like, the aliens show up and get, yeah. yeah. So there's a joke. And that's a motif. That one shows up in all of them. That one shows up, well, except for the four. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The the joke ending is so funny because it ends with um, aliens uh, coming down in the sky, just apropos of nothing, uh, and, like, meeting the main character. (laughs) And it's, like, clear that they spent, like, almost zero time on it because it's not even animated. It's basically, like, still images like a slideshow and they like descend down and like the first thing the guy says is like aliens have you seen my daughter (laughs) and they're like shut up come with me and they just take him off up in the space and it's just over in credits roll and it's it's like it has to be one of the original trolls right of like like cinematic video games yeah well then so then in two they had the same alien ending, but they also had mm-hmm. an additional extra ending, which yeah. was the dog one, where it turns out that a dog has just been making all this shit happen to you. Yeah, like it's the Matrix, but the dog is in charge. Yeah, like so the, the dog, dog is zooms out to a computer, and there's like dog paws on the on the keys. And stuff. Yeah, and he's wearing like a headset. Like James opens a door and like sees the dog, and he's like, "Wait a second, I thought I was supposed to see something like relevatory in here, and it's a dog has just been like." pushing all the buttons that's very funny yeah i mean it's it's, it's interesting especially because like you said sort of you know Haley, the, the first and third have a lot more to do with each other than the second one mm-hmm. um and i like the first and third better than the second one for that reason because the second one is very much and even like textually says this like the spooky things are all coming from the subconscious of this man who's wandering around yeah which is like okay but one in three, it's like, no, there's spooky evil gods and like people are summoning like Lovecraft deities and demons and like throwing up babies. Yeah. And like that shit's like happening because it's happening rather than it's happening because like this guy's having a bad time. And I find that to be a much more compelling story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to talk about with the with what that I think helps bring the story alive are these like kind of like next gen cinematics that were in the game for their yeah. time. We talked about it. I talked about it in the history a little bit. But like this one guy basically made all of that himself. Like like he just like he's lived at the office and, and just like made them all night like in there just because he knew people would fire him if he wasn't that useful. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I mean, well, it's like another I mean, it's kind no- of horror. Yeah. yeah, it's not quite the same as the Kojima stuff, but it's similar in the sense of like this was a real thing in like late '90s video game design in Japan was trying to make video games do what movies could do. And put in all the effort to like create these like really traditionally cinematic cutscenes in a way that didn't really exist before. Like you said, Metal Gear a lot, mm-hmm. and Koji was on credit with that. But this game also is like very much in that same tradition of just like making a movie scene out of like digital assets in a way that is like really fucking cool. You are right though that Metal Gear did a better job at it and like did like more next level stuff with their cinematics. Uh, but but it was still like just like it was like it was like seeing like movies that you hadn't seen before. Well, yeah, I think know? the big difference as far as that goes is that like Koji, like the guy working on on Silent Hill, is a video game designer and he was trying to like explore the mediums of video game design 
and that's what he wanted to do. Whereas Kojima wanted to make movies, mm-hmm. and so like the reason this the, uh, the Metal Gear Solid ones are even more movie is because he was like <laughs> only making video games because no one let him make movies, <laughs> as opposed to the Silent Hill guy who was like, how far can I push video games? Right. Yeah, and that's really interesting. I think it shows in the soundtrack too. Like I used to actually listen to Silent Hill three soundtrack in college, just like the creepy atmospheric noise, and then like the three tracks that had vocals, just like when you're doing your laundry. Yeah, or like walk in between classes or on the bus ride home late at night. Uh, classic and yeah. good times for spooky tunes. <laughs> now, now is that was that all part of like the trying to trying to like get spooky vibes, or was it like that it like calmed you, or it was like relaxing to like listen to that music? Oh, so that kind of has a complicated answer because I find that whenever I'm not afraid, it also means that I'm very sad. And so sometimes when I don't want to be sad, I make myself scared. Sure. Yeah. So then in a way it's calming, but because it like has all that heightening effect. Yeah. And honestly, like getting scared, I, th- I mean, I'm no scientist, but it feels like you get endorphins in the same way that you like get it from other stuff. You definitely like, get like an adrenaline rush. Yeah. You get, yeah. You, you get like, yeah, you get like rushed in a way that makes you, makes you feel more alive. That's for sure. Yeah. Makes you remember you're glad you're not dead. Yeah. Um, and, and, and honestly, it, it does actually kind of feel that way with like, it's like, it's almost, it's almost like getting scared is like this like drug that like once you've seen enough horror movies, it's like harder to get high on it. Like you're like always looking for like that fix that's going to get you scared the way you used to get scared. And it's it, it's tough. It's it's tough for like movies to do that these days. Well, that. I think that's something that Silent Hill succeeds at in a real way. Yeah. Because of how it balances this like piecemeal puzzly story where you get little chunks and you have to put together these ideas. And so in your head, sort of as you're playing the game, you're always sort of looking around for new indicators of stuff or trying to figure out how to put things together. Which means when like Triangle Head pops out of nowhere or like there's a weird like spider crawly monster, it's like you're not, if you're playing Resident Evil or something, you're walking around being like, when's the next monster gonna pop out? Because it's mm-hmm. the thing you're caring about. When you're playing Silent Hill, you're walking around being like, how can I figure out more about this mystery? Oh my God, a monster. Yeah. Um, which makes the monsters, makes all those moments and that tension much, much more present because you're not primed for it in the same way. Like you're primed for it as a possibility, but it's not the possibility you're waiting. It's not the thing you're paying attention to in yeah. the same way, which makes it way more effective for me. Like I said, I didn't like survival horror games, but I do really like the Silent Hill games largely for that reason. Is that is that because their scares are like farther apart or? They're farther apart, but also because the scares like, it's a horror game where the scariest thing about it, if you zoom out, is the story rather than, like, the monsters. Mm-hmm. So you're more concerned with the story in this way. That means you're not just sitting there thinking, like, all right, a monster's going to come from around this corner. Maybe that corner. Where's the monster going to come from? Right, you're looking around yeah. instead of being like, mm-hmm. is there a scroll in here? Is one of those weird symbols on the ground? Yeah. <laughs> a spider! And yeah. then, like, that's yeah. way more shocking because you're not sitting there waiting for the spider. You're looking for a scroll. And then suddenly, a spider. Yeah. Yeah, and it does cool things like, in 3 in particular, and a bit in 1 too, like, you can play quite a bit of the game without actually killing anything. You can just try running away from things. And sometimes it'll do stuff like, especially in 3, when you're going through the mall in the beginning, like, you go through all these different rooms because you're trying to figure out, like, why the fuck you're in this upside-down mall. And so they'll have rooms that you go into or rooms that you can go into. Half the time, they're locked. But then you get the hope of, like, oh, God, I hope the door's open. Half the time, when they are open, you go in there and you find, like, either not thing or a clue or ammo and then other times it's like monsters and stuff but you might not even need to fight the monster and it's a fun sort of judgment call that you have to figure out how to like how to make like whether you're gonna actually try to kill this thing or whether you like think you can get something somewhere else or there's a lot of like i know that thing is spooky over there 
I don't know if I need to deal with it. Yeah, I, I do love it because like, it's like you don't have that much ammo and stuff like that. Yeah. I like games like that where you're like really thinking like, well, like how many bullets is this experience going to cost me? Maybe I'll come back. Like, yeah. That's always fun. Yeah. Uh, it sounds awful, but it's kind oh. of fun compared to games where you're just like unlimited ammo and stuff like that. It depends on the game, but I think this game does that right for sure. Yeah. And then too, the way you get obsessed with the story, it makes you like it really does make you want to overachieve because you're like, well, what if there is a fucking scroll in here and I just need to kill that? thing <laughs> yeah i mean you at the end of the day scrolls have to be read and, and unfurled um but we were talking <laughs> a little bit about gameplay but we should just talk more like formally about that part of this game now because mm-hmm. i think that uh it, it there are parts of it that work really well and then i think there's parts of it that just like kind of sink the game in certain ways like one of them that's weird is uh it's really hard to like run and shoot and that like mm-hmm. you can only like run the direction your gun's pointing so it like becomes hard to like like shoot stuff at times. Yeah, like definitely no strafing. You're yeah. not someone who knows how to wield a weapon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe it's part of the story that your guy literally doesn't know how to move like a human. Well, I mean, that was <laughs> that was actually not in those words, but that was part of like the critical. That he's an everyman, not like a military yeah, exactly. expert yeah. or something. Like that was that. part of like yeah. the critical like acclaims during the release is like. Usually it's like we have an army man who's so good at army stuff, but this guy's just a random guy named Henry or Harry or whatever it is. You, you hand me a gun and I'm just start running like down the street with it in a straight line. <laughs> hey, look, man, I don't know what you'd do, but you know, that's what this guy does. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm no military expert. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. And so like you'll just end up, you know, not being able to shoot and walk sideways or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I think I'm, no, a- I'm no master chief. I'm no dork. <laughs> Yeah, well, certainly no Master Chief. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that you're right. That there, it, it, like the early Metal Gear games, which the early 3D Metal Gear games, I always feel like these have this sort of commonality. Maybe I just put them and connect them in my head because Kojima was going to make PT or make the new Silent Hill game, then he didn't. I, I think I compare these to the Metal Gear games a lot because Kojima was going to make Silent Hills before they canceled it, the the new one. Sure. Yeah. Um, but like these games. And much like the Silent Hill games are like these so ambitious, especially the early ones for the platform that they're on, that some gameplay shit just like it doesn't work quite right. Yeah, yeah. And you have to get forgive some of that for the times and some of it because they were focused on other things, I guess. Yeah, and it is an interesting thing because I think like the mechanics of even like swinging a pipe or whatever is really clunky and really weird and some of it you can like cover up with stories saying like oh he's just an everyman but then some of it's like Jesus why why is it like this right <laughs> yeah um the other part that is hashtag Jesus why is it like this <laughs> a new a new segment of our review <laughs> what, what where was your Jesus why is it like this moment of the game uh, mine was the puzzles uh, uh, I think the puzzles are are pretty rough at times and just like just not fun like slow clunky and yeah and sometimes just kind of random like yeah, kind of confusing just esoteric in order to be esoteric and not actually related <laughs> to the story and not reveal anything for the story and so that and, would be annoying yeah and it's one of those things that like this is part of the word of the like like this game is like kind of a crazy balancing act of like mechanics and game styles mm-hmm. that like tries to blow off, and the puzzles are one part where that kind of falls apart because the way a good puzzle game works is you introduce a sort of lens for looking at a puzzle, and then like you use it once, and then like later you use it in combination with other puzzle lenses that you've like picked up by playing the game. And this game is not built around puzzle solving in that way. So it doesn't like give you an increasingly large supply of tools to solve puzzles with. It's just like, here's a puzzle, figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so without sort of that idea of like building a methodology for puzzle solving, you're just sort of dealing with random puzzles, which like can range from being like, ooh, a fun experience to like 
bang your head against the wall and just like not want to play the game anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, depending on like which puzzle when it finds you and like how your brain works. And so like that's not that's one of the problems with the game. Like it's trying to do so many things that it doesn't really set up a framework for puzzling. But like again, like that's just a function of like this crazy ambition. Yeah. Games. If, if you if you, if but you know if you come at the puzzles, you best not miss. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, just, get pre- <laughs> just get a premium strategy. Just rip through this. Boys. Um, uh, Haley, I want to ask you what what do you remember what ending you got for for Silent Hill One? We played it a bunch, and I don't remember which one we got first. They're all they're all kind of confusing. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely tried for the UFO one, and so we got that at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got we would get strategy guides and stuff a lot, but I think that the first time we played it, we probably got one of the bad endings, and then that's part of what drove the strategy guide getting so that we could get good endings. Yeah, I remember the first time I played one, I got good plus because you don't actually need to get the replay ones are in three, in one and two you can just get all of them right away. In one, I got good plus because in, in the good plus for one is you get the like special potion, yeah, and then you also save Sybil, yeah. Um, if you do both those things, you get the good plus ending, and I remember doing that. Um, mostly because of lessons learned from my father about looking for shit everywhere in RPG <laughs> games. And so I found that potion. And then my dad's always been like, imagine you like in your room, your dad storms out, son, what are you doing? You're not, look, you're not looking in every drawer. What are yeah, you doing? No, sometimes like he's not quite like that. Cause it's not my dad is, but like he'll <laughs> terrible impression. He'll be like, he'll be like, Hey, um, you know, you're just following the goal, the goal tracker, but there's like a whole path over there. Maybe there's like a treasure chest. I didn't raise a son that was bad at finding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's his whole vibe. <laughs> But then, like, between that and my dad's and my compulsion to, like, try not to kill innocent people in video games, mm. the first time I played, I ended up finding the potion and getting civil, and I was like, nailed it! And then my friend went with the aliens, and I was like, oh, I gotta play this game again. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, speaking of endings, we're gonna take a quick little break, and we'll be back with our final thoughts and ratings on Silent Hill. Griffin, I've been trying to chop these giant carrots for my giant salad, but my giant knife's just so dull. I say give up. There's nothing that will ever be invented that'll solve this problem. You're probably right. If only there was something, I don't know, a way to sharpen a knife, but not a regular knife, a giant one. Oh my god, what's that? Haley, you've just broken through the window. Oh yeah, I'm big and burly, because I carry so many knives now, because I have a giant wax stone. Whoa, and they're so sharp, they're cutting the fabric of our reality. Yeah, Haley's cutting slices through the fabric of space-time and the oxygen, so it's hard to breathe in here and also very colorful. Um, but what are you talking with a giant wax stone? What was that? Yeah, it's like a whetstone, but more. Wow, how giant is it? Bigger than a Lamborghini. Some would say well, too big. I say buy a second garage. That sounds like the perfect size for me, because my knife that I'm using for these giant carrots is like is the size of a buster sword. Oh no, quick. I hope there's some giant tape to seal this portal. Oh no. And there wasn't. Buy a giant <laughs> wax stone today. Three guests are talking, two mics recording, one Game Boys pod. Welcome back to the Game Boys podcast Christmas episode. My name is Lux, your host is still Griffin Davis, your guest is still Haley Clement, and we are still talking about Silent Hill. Spooky. Welcome to the part of the show where we rate that game, boys and girls. This is the part where we give a quick final thoughts about this game and then give it a rating on a scale from one to five joysticks. Haley, since you are our guest, common courtesy dictates you go first. What you got? All right. So it does hold a close place in my heart and it's influenced many parts of my aesthetic and things that I enjoy to do in my chill time. And I think even some of my nightmares. 
but the mechanics are really clunky and the puzzles kind of just are too random. So it's going to be a... A four. four joysticks. A four, and four is a four is an incredible score. Let's not let's not talk ill of four. I'm an A plus student. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Get the four out of here, Griff. What you got? Um. Uh, you know, I for literally the exact same reasons. Like, I think I really vibe with this game and like it. And I kind of wish I could like play it. Um, tonight because like Haley reminded me of like playing a scary game and then like getting scared about it turning off all the lights and stuff like that sounds really fun uh, so I really want to play this game so it obviously has so much going for it. it's an important place in history too and I, and I really like the story that of like of like kind of how this game was a bunch of like kind of like ragtag people that wanted to do their own thing and I think that's getting uh, rarer and rarer in this industry guys and anyways I think it's a 3.5 out of 5 um, word. Uh, yeah, it basically feels the same way as Haley. I think that it's like really cool the way the game is designed and a lot of like the sort of ambitions of the game. But I do think that like on an execution level, largely cause, like at first because of the technology, and then later I think sort of out of a sense of like how style born out of the technological failures of the earlier games. Um, the mechanics and the puzzles and some of the visuals don't quite work for me. So I think I got to give it also a four out of five. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what are, that's what a great score, though. Yeah. No, I mean, four is a totally fine score. You, <laughs> what are you, you're like really invested in making sure no one feels bad about giving a four. I don't know what's going on here. Um, but he questions every five. Got to make four seem valid. Yeah, I guess that's fair. It's part of the long game. Trying to sell fours here. Yeah. Which speaking of the long game, this is a long podcast, which means we're not done yet. In fact, it's time for the segment. Tell you out of segments. It's Ladies and gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, it's time for the segment segment. This is a part where Griffin and I present our guests with brand new segments or old segments that we're doing again that we've invented and we're playing them for you now. Griffin, do you have a segment this week? Absolutely, and I resent your question. Uh, <laughs> which question? <laughs> do you have a segment this week? <laughs> I'm sorry. You've there are weeks I, where you I just like once. That's okay. We'll we'll get it. We don't need to go into this. <laughs> I do different segments. <laughs> um, anyways, guys, we're back to a very familiar segment. As I just said, <laughs> I do. As I just cried about doing different segments. We're doing two truths and a high Silent Hill edition. Um, guys, uh, as you both know, uh, I will give you three facts about the Silent Hill franchise. Two of them are truths, and one of them is something that I wrote when I was high. Uh, fact number one, Silent Hill Origins for the PSP was originally intended to be in the style of the surrealist American comedy Scrubs. The heads of Konami heard this and shut it down immediately, proclaiming Scrubs to not be funny enough for it to be worth it. Fact number two. The strategy guide for the original Silent Hill was completely wrong, giving the wrong answers to the majority of the puzzles. Fact number three. In Silent Hill 2, there was a secret level cut from the game in which the player encounters a literal hill with a face. The face was comically based on director Sato, with the mouth iconically sewed shut. Whoa. Jesus Christ. There, the fact that two of these could be true is insanely <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> um... Haley, I guess. Yeah, I would think Scrubs. I feel like the timeline doesn't work right, but I'm not super sure. But the other ones just seem a little bit more plausible. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll go. What was number two again? Okay, so the fact one was about Scrubs. Right. Fact two was that the strategy guide had all the wrong answers for the puzzles. Right. And in fact, number three is that there was like an, a, like an actual like hill character that was cut from the game, like in Sound Hill Two. I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Haley. I think number one. You think number high. one. 
guys, you're both wrong. No! I know it's every fucking time with this game. <laughs> That's right. Uh, in fact, the PSP version was crafted potentially in the pre-production to be funny, like the comedy Scrubs. <laughs> which I don't understand what that means at all, but that was like in a lot of different articles. So that, oh. that has some basis in reality. You know, Silent Hill 3 did use like real actors for the faces. I wonder. They did use Zach Braff. <laughs> I wonder if they were going to use the characters from Scrubs as the nurse enemies. Um, Whoa, Sarah Chalky getting shot in half over and over again. You spend enough time in a hospital, you start thinking about Scrubs. But no, guys, actually, the high was that in Silent 2, there was a secret Hill character oh, with a face. No. See, I thought that was it. But that then was I was like, sewed shut. The sewed shut thing. A silent Hill. The sewed shut thing was like. <laughs> That actually fits the aesthetic in a way. Where yeah. I was like, that just seems reasonable. It's very on the nose. A, a literal Silent Hill. That's why the first. That's why the first yeah. half. I was like, this probably was one of your high ones. And I was like, ooh, they do love selling things shut. Okay. Um, my segment. That was very good. Yeah, that was Great very work. good. You're killing it with these two truths in the highlight. Lady. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, my segment is the segment you guys think it is. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It's time for another spooky Christmas edition of Do They Eat Ass? This is the game where I choose three characters and our guests decide whether it is through cooperative conversation or combative conflict whether or not these characters eat ass. And because we're talking Silent Hill, we're talking spooks, so we're leaving the video game world and going to the realm of horror movie monsters. So out of these three spooky creatures... Who does and does not eat ass? Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, and the Mummy. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh, the Mummy from like the Brendan Fraser franchise, because Emotep <laughs> definitely eats yeah. ass. No, if I, no, I mean like yeah. the Mummy from like um, Labyrinth and Costello. Uh, oh, like the okay. Universal Mummy. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, Universal Mummy. Okay, yeah, I would have said Imhotep if I meant Imhotep. <laughs> much more of an aloof character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so wait, alphabetical order is. Freddy first. So Freddy, Freddy got fingered. Does he eat ass? Freddy Krueger is sometimes not. I kind of think he does, even when the other person doesn't want it. Isn't that his whole thing? Yeah, he is a notorious pedophile. On one yeah. side, yeah. On one hand, it he does he does give me kind of bad uh, sexually aggressive vibes. On the other hand, I do feel like he's some just like weird incel redditor. I feel like he is like an incel redditor, which makes me think he doesn't eat ass. Like I think the instinct that he do that he like. Get into some weird shit with or without permission, I think is correct. I just don't think he'd eat ass because, like, he feels like a really selfish guy. Mm. It's, it seems like he, he, because he, one of his most iconic lines is, you know, like, uh, what's up, bitch, or something like that. <laughs> one of the iconic lines where he says, I'll never eat ass, bitch. Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, it's, it's a crazy line. He looks directly at the camera and he says, this will make sense in 25 years on Game Boy's podcast. Uh, yeah, so I, I think I'm going to have to say no. Yeah, do you agree? Yeah. Do you disagree? Are you swayed? I'm, I'm wavering. And I I do think this is a little weird to say, but pedophiles don't tend to like dirty things. Oh my god. <laughs> so true. Yeah. I, I was gonna say don't worry, anything's fine in the eating ass segment, and then I was like, well, maybe not. No, that actually I think that's a really spot on I think it's a spot I on. I think this podcast should be deleted. <laughs> No, I think that's a great, a, a very good post Freudian observation. Um, like if we're taking like the psychoanalytic band, I think that makes perfect yeah, sense. Yeah, purity and you know, yeah, and, and which is the opposite of ass. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I guess Freddy Krueger doesn't need ass. What about Jason Voorhees? I also think no, because doesn't he hate sex? He, he, yeah, he does hate sex happening at his lake, but he definitely eats his mom's ass. 
depending on the canon, I guess. Yeah, which, on which, which, which is set of Jason's. Yeah. 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 See, I think Jason does eat ass, and not just his mom's, but any given ass, and here's why. Mm. That dude is dogged in his pursuit of a goal. Mm-hmm. So if it's like, I'm trying to get you a nut, mm-hmm. and you're like, I need someone to lick my ass for me to come, mm-hmm. Jason's like, all right. Like that's yeah, he's, he's one stop on my like inevitable road to success. Like it doesn't, it could be anything. You know what I mean? If he's like trying to have sex with someone, yeah, when, yeah. When Jason's having consensual sex with a person, <laughs> like he does all the time, well, we know Jason has like a slightly wider range of emotions than the early movies give you a hint to. Because like once you get past like J- once you like Jason takes Manhattan and forward, he displays like this weird range of like observational like quirkiness honey six months in new york and, and you'll be eating ass too like he like for instance fan, my one of my favorite parts in any of the movies is in jason takes manhattan he sees like a bo- like a like a billboard for like a hockey team and someone's wearing the mask and he just like does the like head tilt eyebrow like implied eyebrow raise and it's just like hmm? and it's like that that jason would eat ass and would fuck i think yeah he's just he's just curious about the world yeah, yeah. Okay, I could see that. I haven't seen much of the later Jason stuff. I haven't seen Jason Takes Manhattan. You gotta see Jason X too. That's the one where he frees the guy's head and then hits on the ground and explodes. Anyway, I think there's so many, so many different Jasons that I think we can all agree that Jason Takes Manhattan and does eat ass. Like, yes, like that's yeah. the one that I think we can definitely all agree on. You know, it's so like, funny. And he's just like, huh? <laughs> like I thought only I had one of these. <laughs> um. All right. Last but not least, the Mummy. Last but <laughs> not. <laughs> Uh, it is really hard to get rid of that Brendan Fraser mummy, even though I did kind of recently see the Universal one, but he was still kind of sexy in that one and kind of seductive. And so I feel like if it would help him get his goal of like eternal life, like he would definitely do it. I mean, he is a, like a standing toilet paper. Um, <laughs> like, I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't argue with that. <laughs> I was initially thinking, no. But I have no reason for no, it's nearly as compelling as he's made of toilet paper. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that seems like a consensus. Yes. Sorry, I went to lawyer camp. <laughs> I went to six weeks of lawyer camp after third grade. Um, all right. Well, that brings us to the end of our show. Haley, you've been an amazing guest. And as always, you are an amazing editor. Where can the people find more of you? Because I know they will want to. Uh, so on Twitter, you can find me at I Make Food. On Instagram, check out Eat Every Sound. And same thing on YouTube, Eat Every Sound. How did you get I Make Food? That seems like such a sought-after handle. I know. That was my website back when I had a website. And it was, I don't know, 2008. That's crazy. I bet you could sell that 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 domain name for like... A hundred thousand dollars. Jeez. <laughs> oh yeah, you should see if you got any good squatting going on. Yeah, that's true. I do still own the domain name. The website got hacked though. Oh, like what happened to me with Salamir Z? Oh no. <laughs> Which by the way is <laughs> I forgot about Salamir Z. It's resolved. I, I haven't I, heard from Salamir Z. In, I, in I zoned out hard for a second, <laughs> and then Salamir Z was like a deep note in my brain that turned on. Yeah, well, he's our he's the <laughs> arch enemy of the pod. Yeah, he, he is. And I'm sorry that I forgot, and I'm sorry that I have laid down the sword. It's okay. And we must find him. Yeah, we do. We have to. But he hasn't done anything bad in a while. Who do you know who hacked your website? No, probably Sound Music. Probably. Um, Griffin, what about you? What you got, bud? Game Boys Pod on Instagram and uh, Griffin P Davis on Twitter and Instagram as well. Wow. Yeah, that's right. There's a P now, guys. Uh, Griffin loves to pee. Um, cool. And you can find me at ML Surfboard on Twitter. And you can find the videos at Wisecracker Party World Wrestling on Facebook. And you can also find the Game Boys Pod on Facebook. And 
on Twitter. And also, most importantly, don't forget to rate and review and say nice things about us on iTunes. We've got an iTunes review lined up. This one's from Ben Grant, who says, Better than Half-Life 2. I love the game Half-Life 2. I think it's the perfect balance between combat, exploration, physics, and story. This podcast is better than it, though. Whoa, we're like the Half-Life 3 of podcasts? Whoa, I guess maybe we are. Uh, Well, thanks, Ben Grant, and thanks for the friend of the the show, friend of the pod, Ben Grant. Well, I was going to not say that, so people feel like it's like an organic one, not like a guy we know. Ally of the pod. (laughs) Yeah, new friend of the pod, never heard of before, Ben Grant. <laughs> Sounds like a solid guy. Yeah, it seems like a decent dude. He's probably okay at Fortnite. Um, ben Grant, friend of the pod, new friend of the pod. Thank you for the the review. And if you want us to read your review uh, on the podcast, you know how to do it. You just add a five star review on iTunes, please. And Ben, you owe me seven bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, that'll do it for us. It's been a Game Boys podcast. My name is Lux, and I am your host. Your host is Griffin Davis. Your guest is Haley Clemen. Your editor is also Haley Clemen. Your intro and outro music is by Matthew Morton. And your art is by Brittany Metz. Goodbye, Internet. We love you very much. Silent Hill. <laughs>